0: You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by
1: Senior Minister Tim Johnson. So our Bible reading tonight is finishing off Philippians, which we've been looking through over the past several weeks. So we're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 23, and you can find that on page 953 of the Bibles in the pews, or if you'd like to follow along online or on an app, you can do that as well. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that you have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong in Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks, Mez. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name's Tim. Uh, I'm the senior minister here at St. John's. And uh, we're going to have a look at that passage uh, together from Philippians 4. So I'd encourage you, as always, to have it open, uh, page 953. Uh, and particularly today, you'll need to have it open, because we're going to move uh, through it fairly fast uh, at one point, and I'll need you to sort of follow along with me. So grab it now, page 953. Um, I think I'll always count it a privilege to have observed the way that Dawn Walther died. Uh, Dawn was a lady at the church where I went to when I was in youth group, uh, and as a young adult as well. And uh, she was this older Christian lady in the church who took a real interest in young people. And uh, in the weeks leading up to her death, she actually wrote letters to us, um, personally addressed letters to encourage us as followers of Jesus to keep sticking with Jesus, uh, to keep standing firm with him. And although the cancer slowly ravished her body, uh, it was like her Christian faith seemed to shine out all the more in her life. As her body diminished and got less, uh, her Christian character, her hope and her joy shone out more where compared to her her body, which became more and more frail. Uh, She was full of hope. She was confident that she was going to a better place. Uh, And she was really eager to see Jesus who she'd followed for years and years, and to see him face to face. Now, to a guy who was in his early 20s at that point, that had a very, very powerful impact on me. Uh, It was a great model to me of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and stick with Jesus for the long term, to really stay with him and not just sort of hang in there, but to continue to grow and to remain active and vibrant and invested in the lives of other people in the church uh, as an older Christian person. Uh, Maybe you've got your own dawns in your life, Uh, a parent or a grandparent, uh, people uh, in this church or in other churches that you've been part of, uh, a friend or a mentor who really modelled to you and invested in you and showed you what it looks like to be that sort of follower of Jesus in the long term, someone that you looked at and you thought, yeah, that is what I want to be like. When I am that age, when I've been following Jesus for as long as that, that's what I want to look like. Uh, someone that you've said to yourself about, you know, when, I, when I'm facing death, that's what I, that's the way I want to do it. That's the sort of hope and confidence and joy that I want to have when I'm at that point. Uh, it's one of the big challenges, isn't it, of being a follower of Jesus uh, is sticking with it for the long term. Um, all of us here are at different points in our journey. Some of you may not yet be followers of Jesus. You may be here tonight because you're kind of interested in learning what church is about or what Jesus has to say, what he might mean for your life and it's great to have you with us, you're very welcome, we encourage that sort of exploration and we want to try and help you uh, think about that. For other people, you might be very new as followers of Jesus, you've only started following him, it's a fairly new thing, you're learning lots, Uh, others here might have been following Jesus for a long time, we're all at different points. But the challenge is, how do you keep on going? How do you keep on moving towards Jesus? How do you keep on growing through all of life? Uh, Because we've all seen plenty of counterexamples as well, counterexamples to people like Dawn, people who follow Jesus for a while but then give it away. Maybe you can think of people that uh, you're in youth group with or that you grew up with who uh, were following Jesus and they've given it away. When I look back at the youth group that I was a part of in that same church that Dawn was a part of, I go through the list of people who are in youth group with me and most of them aren't still following Jesus. Most of them have given it away. Only a handful of us are still at it. Or maybe uh, you can think of people who, when they get older, they don't sort of grow in terms of joy and godly character, but they more become bitter and twisted and self-obsessed rather than, developing and becoming more and more like Jesus in the beauty of his character and putting it into practice in their own lives. So the challenge for all of us today is how are we tracking? If we're going to be like a dawn or like the person that you thought of in your head, how do we get there? You don't sort of step into a time warp from here, the point that we're all at in our lives now and suddenly arrive there instantly. It's a journey, it's a process, it's little steps and little decisions week by week, day by day, year by year, where you're growing and developing and becoming more like Jesus and putting things into practice in your life. Philippians 4, which Mez read to us, is really a challenge uh, and a series of encouragements and strategies for how we might do this, how we might stand firm, stick with Jesus in the long term. Paul says this in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. It's really like a transitional verse. So this was the end of what we looked at last week when Julie spoke to us. Uh, And it does round that section off. But it's kind of like a hinge that finishes that section, but it also forms the start of the next section. Um, Paul is writing to the Christians at Philippi and he wants them to stick with it. He wants them to stand firm. This is one of the last letters that he's writing. This is probably the last time he's writing to them. And he wants them to stay with Jesus. He wants them to keep following Jesus and keep growing. Stand firm, he says. And so in what follows in this chapter, it's a bit like a a shotgun approach where there's bang, 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 a series of things that one after the other hit us about what standing firm looks like and how we can do it. And one of the challenges with this passage is there's so much good stuff in here, it's really hard to fit into one talk. It's probably kind of seven talks worth because Paul's got about seven points that he makes all in a row. Uh, it's full of memory verses. Some of these verses, uh, for some of you, you might have learnt in like Sunday school or learn as kids because they're very memorable and very powerful verses, and it's packed full of good stuff. So, what I want to do today as a way of approaching it is to do broad brush strokes. Let's quickly go through and see what's there, the seven things that Paul has to say to the Philippians, but also to us, about how we stand firm with Jesus. But then I want to come back and I want to focus in on one area in particular, the area of worries and anxieties in our life and the need to turn those to prayer, just as a way of really drilling down and focusing on a particular area that I think is really important for us. So grab your Bibles, 953, and let's go through fairly quickly uh, what these seven things are for standing firm that Paul gives us. The first one is in verses 2 and 3, and it's about standing firm by reconciling your relationships. Uh, Paul, in these verses, calls out two members of the church, Euodia and Syntyche, really well-pronounced, Miss, tricky names to do. He names these two women in the church at Philippi who are fighting with each other, and he wants them to work it out. They've been key members of the church. It's probable that their argument is very public. And he says it's not okay for them to keep on having this conflict and arguing. They need to sort it out. And he calls on the church members to help them resolve it. We spent a whole term last year thinking about conflict that comes up. ...and how important it is to deal with it well in the church. Uh, It was a series called Peacemakers. The talks are there on our podcast. They're our most downloaded talks, right? Because conflict is a really big problem in all of life... ...at school, at work, wherever we are. And it can really undermine our following of Jesus. When there's fights in the church, people often leave. If there's problems and conflict that just don't get sorted out... ...it can undermine following Jesus... So this is really important stuff. Stand firm, Paul says, by working out your relationships. Deal with them. Talk to the person you've got a problem with. Stand firm by reconciling those relationships. Second thing he says is stand firm by rejoicing. That's in verse 4. And as we've seen, rejoicing or having joy in our lives is a really key theme In this letter, I said in the first week when we started Philippians that it's like this picture book that I've got that I read to my kids where there's these yellow ducks that you've got to find on every double page of this kid's book. And joy or rejoicing is like that in Philippians. Every single section that we've looked at through this series has had the word joy or rejoicing in it. And standing firm in the Lord means rejoicing, in who God is in all of the circumstances of life. It doesn't mean that life's always going to be good. Life has good bits and it has bad bits. Paul's writing the letter from prison. His circumstances are pretty lousy. And yet in the midst of it, he encourages us to rejoice in the Lord. Notice that he doesn't say, rejoice in what's happening in your life. Because what's happening in your life might be lousy and terrible, He says, rejoice in the Lord, that whatever's happening in your life, focus on who God is, focus on his character, focus on the promises that he gives us, focus on what he's done in your life in the past and rejoice in him because he is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow and that is a really important way to stand firm is to remind yourself of who God is, what he's done and his goodness to us. Stand firm by rejoicing in the Lord. The third thing Paul says is stand firm with gentleness, which is about the way that we treat other people and relate to other people. It very strongly relates to something that we looked at earlier in the letter of Philippians, humility. We spent a week sort of thinking about humility, and gentleness is a very similar concept. It's about restraining our own power, maybe not always insisting on our rights in order to serve other people and love other people, treating people with gentleness and not sort of forcing our power through all the time. Now, the only way you can do that uh, is by paying attention to what he says immediately after, let your gentleness be evident to everyone, the Lord is near, right? which is reminding us that Jesus is with us, So that when we go into situations, we can act with gentleness, knowing that Jesus is there to help us and to strengthen us. But it's also got that sense of Jesus is near in the sense that Jesus is coming back. And it could be any time. Jesus is going to put the world to right. He's going to bring justice and restore everything. And so we don't have to always insist on getting our own way, having our own power, insisting on our own rights, because... Jesus will sort it out in the end. We're not going to be sort of left in a situation where Jesus owes us because we did these things and we uh, never got what we deserved or something like that. No, Jesus will know the situations we've been in and what we've done so we can afford to be gentle rather than having to always insist on having our own way. The next things in verses 6 and 7 are standing firm by praying, but I'm going to come back to that. Then verses 8 and 9, he says, stand firm by getting your thinking right. Um, stand firm with excellent thoughts. What we think about actually shapes our actions. Um, and we're constantly being preached at through the week. We get preached at by Netflix and YouTube, uh, Uh, what we read in the newspapers, if you know what a newspaper is, Um, television, billboards, friends, people at uh, school, at work, with their different opinions. We're constantly being preached at, and lots of non-excellent thoughts, to be honest, are thrown our way all through the week. And so we need to be proactive about thinking about the positive things, the things of God, the things that are helpful, in order to balance out all of the other things, the other messages that we're being given all, all through the week. Uh, Julie spoke about this a bit last week. Uh, Julie reminded us that it's important to think about what we think about, that the idea of mindfulness that is uh, so common is actually God's idea in the first place, that God wants us to meditate on his word. He wants us to think about uh, the good things that he has for us. Uh, And that's what Paul's trying to encourage us in terms of standing firm, we need to make sure that we are reflecting on things that are true and right, noble and excellent, the things of God, rather than other things that can just fill our mind with garbage. Then the last two uh, points that Paul has for us here relate to uh, this idea of money and and a gift that uh, has come from the Philippians to Paul. So what's happened is that they've obviously sent some support and help to Paul, who's in prison. And they've done it through this guy, Epaphroditus, who's a member of their church. And he's taken the gifts so that Paul uh, has them. Uh, And there's two things here that Paul gives us, I think, about standing firm. The first thing is that uh, contentment is really important in terms of standing firm in our relationship with God. So Paul, there's this funny dynamic where he's thankful for the gifts, but he says, Do you know what, I've had situations where I've had nothing, and I've had situations where I've had lot, and I've learnt the secret of contentment, being content in any and every situation. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a secret worth learning, isn't it? To be able to be content whether you've got a heap of stuff or not much stuff, to be able to be content in any and every situation would definitely be a secret that's worth learning. Because it's so easy, particularly in a society like ours, which is fairly affluent, wealthy, that even when you get more stuff, you can just adjust your lifestyle and your expectations so that you're still not satisfied and you just want more. You kind of elevate the way that you live so that it increases as you've got more stuff, more money, more things coming in. And so you remain constantly unsatisfied and discontented, even though you've got more and more. But Paul says, no, you've got to be able to learn to rely on God, to have your contentment in Him, rather than in the material things that you may or may not have, because that's going to disappoint you and leave you unhappy Standing firm with God means learning that secret of contentment. And then the last thing he has to say is that generosity is really important for standing firm as well. So actually, the Philippians, as it turns out, are pretty poor people. And yet, they've been really generous in helping and supporting Paul. Uh, So you find out when Paul writes another letter in the New Testament to the Corinthian church, uh, that Paul says... The Philippians, who are part of Macedonia, that area of the world, actually don't have much money and yet he shames or he tries to shame the Corinthians who are really wealthy by comparing how generous the Philippians and the other Macedonian churches have been uh, to the Corinthian churches. So they have been really generous in the way they've supported Paul, they've given to him, they've also given to other Christians who are really even worse off than they are and they've been generous in the way that they've done it. And Paul says, ironically, you actually get more back when you're really generous and give it away. He speaks about uh, things being credited to our account. Uh, He speaks about the things that we offer are like this great-smelling sacrifice to God. There's a sense in which spiritually we get back heaps more if we're willing to be generous and to give away to others. It's a key part of standing firm In our relationship with Jesus, not holding on tightly to what we've got and becoming greedy, but being able to give it away and being generous. So that's really the broad brushstrokes, these seven things, bang, 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 like that shotgun uh, that I spoke about, that Paul encouraged us to stand firm with. But I want us to really focus and drill down on one area in particular and think about how that might apply to us. And that's the verses 6 and 7. Uh, which speak about anxiety and worries in our life and prayer as a response to those things. So verse 6 starts with the command, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, Other Bible translations say, do not worry. Do not worry. And it's an echo almost exactly of what Jesus says when Jesus is speaking in his famous talk, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Both Jesus and Paul say, don't worry about things. Don't be anxious about things. But we all know, don't we, in the cut and thrust of life, there are plenty of things to worry about. And truth be known, we spend a fair bit of time worrying. We worry about the deadlines that we have in terms of our school assignments or uni or college work that we've got to do. We worry about deadlines at work and jobs and things that we've got to get done. We worry about our kids, our grandkids and whether they'll be safe and the sort of future that they'll have. We worry about our finances, whether we're going to have enough uh, to pay for things that we need to do. We worry about our health and whether we're going to get sick or whether that injury that we've received is going to affect the things that we've got planned for the future. There are all sorts of things that we worry about. Now, I think if you examine the sorts of things that you worry about, it can be really quite revealing about the priorities that we have going on in our lives. Uh, Because the things that we worry about often reveal what our hearts are set on and what we're truly desiring and seeking after uh, in life. Now, the things that we're thinking about and worrying about may not be bad things in and of themselves. Actually, they're probably good things in and of themselves, but the problem comes when they become the most important things and they're elevated to a level where they're more of a priority than God and we worry so much and we're so anxious about them And what would happen if we lost this thing? Or what would happen if we never achieved this thing? Or what will these other people think about me? That they can uncover for us what we're valuing most in our lives. And it's worth, I think, each of us stopping and asking ourselves, even writing down a list, what are the things that I find myself worrying about? Write it down. What are the things that constantly go through my head that I'm thinking about? Get a list of it. And then ask yourself the question, what does that reveal about what my heart is set on? What am I worried about missing out on? What am I worried about not achieving? What is it revealing about where my heart is set? Again, the things that we worry about are not bad things in and of themselves, but if they become all-consuming and cause us to worry, then um, they can mean that we're trusting in other things rather than trusting in God. And that's why we're being consumed by focusing on these things. Again, let's look at what Jesus has to say about this. this is, uh, there's a parable, a story that Jesus tells about um, the word of God going out, the sower sowing seed, and it lands in different types of soil. And only one type of soil of the four actually bears fruit stands firm with Jesus sticks it out with Jesus to the end and especially revealing is one of the the types of soil um, the seed that falls among the thorns so this is Matthew 13 22. Jesus says the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries same word again The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth, the trickiness, deceiving nature of wealth, go hand in hand in what Jesus is speaking about here. And he's saying that these things can choke us and stop us being fruitful for God They could stop us standing firm in our faith. So this is kind of diagnosing the problem. Our worries and anxieties, what they reveal about our heart, the way that they can deceive us and trick us and uh, get us into trouble. Okay, so that's the problem that we've been digging at. What's the remedy? What medicine should we take for this problem that we have? Well, that's exactly what Paul gives us in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything... But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So the remedy, the medicine for worries and anxieties is prayer. It's about laying the things that we're worried about, that we're anxious about, before God and telling him about it. Giving them over to him. Uh, That's a great means, by the way, of undermining idols that we might have in our heart. Because if we give these worries over to God, uh, we're turning to Him rather than to these other things instead. And it's a way of saying, God, you are God and these other things are not, so I'm going to turn my worries over to you and give them to you, recognising that you are in charge and that you are more important than these other things that I'm spending time worrying about. Um, this verse has become a very precious verse to me personally. It's one that I've memorized and I have to have keeping on going through my head constantly, because I worry. I find myself uh, myself uh, often awake in the early hours of the morning. I wake up in the middle of the night. And I'm worrying. I've got my mind churning over all of the things that I need to do, the problems I need to solve, things that I need to think about, stuff that I've got to get done. Uh, and, it's, and it's all there. It's, it's often to do with church stuff, you know, things that I've got to organize for church, things that I want to see happen here at St. John's. Uh, and that's good, right? Because we want to have a healthy church, we want to have a growing church. And yet it also reveals a dangerous idol, right? Because I want to be. successful leader. I I want to be the leader of a church that's doing well. Uh, Idols are slippery suckers, right? There's good stuff usually there, good and bad motives mixed together. And let's be honest, at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning when I'm trying to solve problems, I'm not at my best. And often things that seem unsolvable, the biggest problem in the world, when you look at them in the cold light of day, what was I even worrying about with that thing in the middle of the night? It was not worth worrying about. It's actually much easier to solve when you look back on it. You're not always at your best. You're not at your best at that time. And so what I need to do and what I do do when I find myself in that situation is I recite this verse. Tim, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I have to speak that and preach that to myself to listen to that advice. And then I take the thing that I'm worried about and I say, God, I'm worried about X, whatever it is. And I want to give that over to you. You're trustworthy. You're in control. This is not a problem that cannot be solved with you. So I want to give it over to you. Please help me to stop worrying about it please help me to go back to sleep and to leave it and tomorrow we'll deal with it together. Uh, And often, that means that I do go back to sleep and I'm able to leave it and give it over to God. Uh, As verse 7 of our passage says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, Often when we're able to give these things over to God to release them, and give them to him, uh, he does give us a sense of peace uh, in him. Now, I just want to add an aside, really, and a caution, because we're, we're speaking here about anxiety, we're speaking here about worries. Uh, and I want to acknowledge that there are types of anxieties and levels of anxiety which really have an impact uh, in people's lives, and they're often more difficult to deal with. Anxiety is the most common mental health condition in Australia, right? So one in four people suffer from anxiety, one in three women, one in five men. Uh, So this is a problem in this room where people are uh, struggling with levels of worries and anxieties that they can't deal with. And what I'm speaking about with this particular type of anxiety, this heightened level of anxiety, this type of anxiety, is that it's not just related to a situation. You can be anxious and stressed about a particular situation that's coming along, but then that situation is resolved and yet the feelings of anxiety remain. For lots of people, that sort of feeling of being anxious and worry Uh, remains there and doesn't go away. Uh, It's harder to control. And I don't want you to hear me just being flippant and saying, if you're worried or if you're anxious, pray all solved. Right? Because for some people it may be harder for you than just that. And I don't want you hearing me being dismissive of what you're experiencing and just being flippant about it. And I certainly don't want you to hear me saying that if you have tried to give over an area of anxiety to God and it's still there, that you've somehow failed as a Christian, right? That is not true and that is not what I'm saying. There are types of anxieties that affect us where we might need more help. Now, as Christian people, that advice still stands. Our starting point and our ongoing pattern needs to be to give it over to God, to pray about it, to give it to him. That's true. We do that regardless of our situation and we keep doing that and we keep doing that. What I'm saying is that we might need more help as well. We might need to talk to someone who can give us some other strategies or medication that we might need to also help with the anxieties. And if that's you and you'd like to talk to someone, I'm very happy to talk to you afterwards uh, or talk to someone that you trust about those things. And yet, as Christian people we also need to be constantly turning to God with our worries and anxieties and naming them and giving them to him. Now, we've covered a lot of ground in this chapter, but the key point that I want to go back to is that this is all about standing firm in the Lord, staying as a follower of Jesus from the long term and not just hanging in there, but continuing to grow and become more vibrant uh, as we keep following God. So the question is, what do you need to do next? As a result of what we've talked about today, what is it that you need to do? We want to be people who hear God's word and put it into practice. So maybe you need to go away and you need to write a list of the things that you worry about. Try and get a list and then think about what it reveals about where your heart is at. Maybe you need to set aside some time for prayer so that you can name these things before God, spend some serious time praying and giving things over to God. Maybe there was something else on that list uh, earlier on, those seven things that grabbed your attention, not the thing that I chose to focus on, and you'd like to dig deeper with that. That might be a good thing for you to do. Whatever it is, make a note of it. What step are you going to take this week in response to God's word? My brothers and sisters here at St. John's, uh, those whom I long and love... Uh, Love and long for, as Paul writes, my joy and my crown. Stand firm in the Lord. Stick with Jesus. Do not give it away. Keep taking those steps now to go on that journey to keep becoming more and more like Jesus. Uh, To be like the dawn or whoever it is that you had in mind who just radiates the beauty of Jesus as you continue to grow and become more like him. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you that even in the midst of the varying circumstances of life that we face, the good things and the bad things, uh, that you want us to stand firm with you. Help us to put into practice what we've heard tonight. Help us to be willing to turn over our worries and anxieties to you. And we ask that each one of us would have that peace, that passes all understanding and that you would guard our hearts and our minds in the Lord Jesus and it's in his name we pray amen thanks for joining us if you've got any questions about this podcast connect with us on our website stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash st don't forget you can join us live in diamond creek every sunday at 9:30 a.m at 6 p.m